Hi, I'm Simon E. Marion, and welcome to my podcast, Connections, which is all about the power of human connection, um, because I feel it's it's lacking in the world these days. We're drifting apart through technology. It's kind of the double-edged sword of it all. So today, to kick off this new version of the podcast, I'm here with a gentleman called Vic Baxter that I've known for quite a few years now. Um, Vic grew up in Kenya and came to UK in 1970 to study engineering at Loughborough. Careers with Hawker Sidley, Vickers Oceanics, 2W Diving and Shell followed in UK, USA, Holland and Norway, embracing subsea engineering, operations, employee engagement and organisational development. Becoming a freelance followed in the Caspian, the Americas, the Middle East and the four corners of Africa, initially enabling UK PLCs overseas, laterally supporting localization in those regions. So he's been around the block, been around the bazaars and done a hell of a lot in his life. A strong network has always been important to Vic, which is something we shall discuss with him today. Vic has two youngsters, Ali and Laura, by his late wife Linda, and is presently based here in Aberdeen. So, Vic, welcome. Thank you, Simon. Good to be here. It's, uh, yeah, we've, we've, had, we've had a lot of conversations over the years, um, and I, I can't think of one that I haven't enjoyed yet. So, uh, yeah, no pressure. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. Same here. So, we had a chat last week um and we uh, ideas for this um because i've always i've actually really admired your 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 ability to connect with people you seem to have whether it's a natural talent that you enhanced and developed over the years or whether it's something you worked deliberately out i don't know um perhaps you can allude on that but uh it's um it's a fascinating thing because I love watching when we have coffees and we go out and chat. You connect with people everywhere and you are kind of a prolific serial networker and it's, it's, a, it's actually quite a fascinating joy to watch. So how, have you always been like that or was that something that kind of grew over time? I really appreciate the question and the way you've pitched it. Um, I've asked myself this question periodically. Um, my mother was a factory girl at 14 okay. in Lancashire and then went off and joined the army for World War II. And my father was a headmaster's son, um, brought up in Norwich, and they wouldn't have met but for the war. And therefore, when they got together in Mombasa while waiting for a troop ship home from Egypt and India, respectively, I think the chromosomes came together from <laughs> two different people at opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. And therefore, I've been accused at times, when I worked at ASCO as one of their advisors, mm -hmm. I was uh, challenged by the MD that I could train his lorry drivers in the morning and then shout at uh, the chairman of the board in the afternoon. And I think my parents have given me that, that spectrum of mutual regard right across everybody and everything you meet um, has actually come from a diverse marriage. Okay. That's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, there's quite a, quite a different contrast, isn't there? In there. I like, I like, and it's, it's fascinating how that's developed within you to kind of take that on board. Did that, did that happen at an early age for you or, did, or was it? It's very hard to say because a lot of memories are family folklore that are impressed upon you. <laughs> But what I did find when I was working at Shell, um, people would say, you know, you're presenting to the board this afternoon, aren't you nervous? And I would say, well, why would I be? They're just human beings like everybody else. Mm -hmm. 
And it gives you a, a warmth and an attraction to humans regardless of their racing stripes and their other attributes. So taking people as you find them is a very worn out phrase, but it works for me. Um, sadly, if I'm treated badly, I tend to reciprocate. <laughs> if I'm treated well, I definitely reciprocate. Yeah. So it's, it, it's all part of what forms you. You know the old nature-nurture thing? 100%, yes. A certain amount yeah, in yeah. your chromosomes and a certain amount in the treatment you receive in life's journey. Well, yeah. I mean, what's, what's your kind of take on, on how technology has affected the whole human interaction and connection? It's, it's not quite the same as it was. No, it hit me hardest um, three years ago in the middle of an assignment in Saudi Arabia. I was based in Riyadh. I was in a building of 2,500 people, um, 33,000 employees worldwide, and I was in my element, able to walk between meetings, shake hands, um, smile, frown, shout, all the other things you do. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I was scooped up out of my hotel and transported to the desert where we were billeted in Al-Wasil compound. And you did five, six, seven meetings a day online, but you didn't physically meet anybody. Yeah. There were no handshakes. You were looking at a bunch of faces on screen, some of them fidgeting, some of them not, and it lost something. It yeah. lost 80% of what I was getting in other meetings. Yeah. So for me, that was a real, if you like, thump in the guts that humanity was now becoming isolated. When I came back to UK, I actually have, as, as about 50% of my time, joined a digital company, and that feeling continued. And as lovely as the people were, it's yeah. called passionforsocial.co.uk, it's um, primarily disabled employees who are working online to good effect. Yeah. But because I couldn't sit and have a coffee with them, but because I couldn't actually um, biff them in the shoulder or have a high five, <laughs> uh, we tried doing that on screen, but it didn't feel the same. Yeah, um, a bit awkward. Yes, <laughs> so I complete my year on the, seven, on the 14th of July, and I'm going to remain an ambassador for that company, but I've resigned as a director because I'm not meeting anybody, and digitally it's just not the same. Yeah. Yeah, there is, as much as you connect, there, there's still a significant disconnect, isn't there? There is. And that, in some ways, that's counterbalanced by reach. Yes. Many of my Saudi buddies, my Venezuelan buddies, um, many of my colleagues from Kazakhstan, Azerbaijan, we're in touch several times a month. That wouldn't be physically possible if we had to meet up. So it's, as you said earlier, it's a double-edged sword. Mm. On the one hand, it expands your reach, on the other hand, it takes away the intimacy. Yeah. So I want to kind of dig into the, the, the crappier side of life briefly, just to bring some perspective, I think, for people that are going to watch and listen to this. Because um, I think you have a, an enormous amount of value to share with people in this particular topic. Um, you know, you've been around the block. You've, you've seen a lot. You've done a lot. You've experienced a lot. Um, in terms of human, the, the, the negative connections that have happened in your life with, with people, even with events and places and situations, what's the, how has that kind of affected your, your view on people, 
um, and different cultures, for example, because cultural differences can can create a disconnect as much as they can provide uh, a deeper connection in some ways for some people. Mm. So how's how is that? What's that kind of that negative element to it? How is that? Have you experienced that? I've got to, I've got to say it's been the minority mm-hmm. of my time and my interactions and my experience. But one of the biggest lessons is to walk away from it. Yeah. One of the biggest lessons is not to try and get even. Yeah. If you can absorb it, if you can enable that person to turn the corner, to think again, to come back to you another time, leave the door open. But at the same time, um, if you like, there comes a time to drop the portcullis. <laughs> to actually say that connection is not going to be useful to either of us. Yeah. So it's it's been slimline. It's not been a big issue. And I would say probably half the time I've managed to turn it around. Yeah. And I can give you examples, but um, it would uh, probably go on beyond what we want this interview to hold. <laughs> I'll do it in writing when I answer these questions. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 would be very interesting. Happy to. Yeah. That'd be a yeah, that'll that'll be some fascinating reading. <laughs> so to to tip it into the light lighter side of life. Yes. When you connect with somebody, do you get a is it a gut feeling that you know that that's going to be a good connection that it's yeah. Or is there, is there there other kind of indicators for you? That's a very good point. My daughter and I often have a chuckle about the ability to be a chameleon. Yeah. But to be a chameleon with integrity. Yeah. I like that, yeah. So when I was working in outplacement for good old Drake Beam and Morin, the outplacement inventors, um, you'd have 200 uh, oil industry people come through your hands who'd been laid off. And from the word, or from the very first handshake, you start to pick up whether they just want a very direct, very business-like program Mm -hmm. that is clinical, where they don't have to bear their souls. And at the other end of the spectrum, you get people that way, way, way before they want to do their CV and talk about their career plan, they want to empty their heart out all over the table. Yeah. And the key has been to throttle my own inclination to give them what they've come in to actually um, get from the program. Yeah. I've sometimes set the odd um, ambush or trap for them later on <laughs> where I've said, all right, you're off to be a finance director. All right, you're off to be a, a, you know, a, a school bus driver, whatever they've chosen to do. One guy chose to grow chrysanthemums and he's now a world authority in chrysanthemums. Wow. I said, what about you? Tell me more. And that has led to huge characters coming out. But they haven't felt ready to share that at the front end. Yeah. And the more of that they're able to share, the more I could configure the approach we took. So, yeah, from the first handshake, you get a feeling. Yeah. And without giving names away, which would be completely improper, we had one guy who was so alienated from the whole of his oil company, his nickname at reception was Desert Island Johnny. (laughs) <laughs> because whatever he did he just cut people off and he didn't want friends you know? yeah and uh eventually i melted him and 
should say he melted between us. And uh, he became a very solid friend, and that went on long beyond his three-month program. Yeah. Um, other people come in, and uh, I probably will name this person for fun. Um, the general manager of Amarada Hess, Stephen Jewell. He came in, and I said, Stephen, it's great you got your next position. Very well done. Glad you're going forward. Anything you want to say before you go? And he was fantastic in opening a door for me. Mm. He said, yeah, I've got one thing to tell you. And I thought, my, this is going to be good. He said, why don't you try having 50 good friends in instead of 5,000 acquaintances? Yeah. And I turned the corner that day. I stopped saying, hey, how are you, to people I'd hardly ever met. Hey, we've got to get a coffee sometime. I said, really good to meet you. What's your diary like next week so we can get a solid coffee together? So I went from tremendously shallow with a huge address book that I thought was fantastic to actually trimming it down and having some solid connections. That, And I thank, if uh, Stephen ever hears this podcast, I thank him for that advice. Yeah, well, hopefully he does. Great. I'll, I'll send it to him. Do it, yeah. Great. Absolutely. Well, it's a surefire way of him getting it. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. On the that point of, of adjusting your perception on the back of Stephen's feedback there, mm -hmm. how has that changed how you, uh, aside from what you've just described, mm -hmm. how has that changed the kind of depth of connection you have with people since that, since that kind of adjustment and that learning that you had? Yeah, uh, that's a very good good point. I haven't really ever thought about it, but I kind of put acquaintances into one box mm. and people that I want to hold close into another one. Yeah. So I'm not blocking the acquaintances, uh, primarily lovely, lovely people, but I don't go chasing rainbows anymore. I actually see gold in people now and nourish and nurture that. Yeah. and build a stronger friendship. And I believe our, ours is in that box as opposed to the acquaintance box. Surprise, surprise. Well, yeah, I kind of have I've had a similar feeling over the years. It's, um, yeah, we have, a, uh, I like our friendship. It's, uh, it's one of the things that makes me smile. Good man, same so, here. I did, as you know, come up with some questions just to kind of food for thought. Sure. Which you are going to, probably mull over a, a later date now from what you said. I think um, it's a trilogy that we'll co-publish. <laughs> well, well, there's the, there's a thought. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes. But we'll give it a different label. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a softer note to that one. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's bound to get bent out of shape, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've got a good lawyer. <laughs> good. Uh, yes, we might need one. Um... Okay, so what's your thoughts on the importance of emotional connections in building successful businesses? Wow, wow, that's a gold mine. Um, I, I've always found that when you actually get hired to go and advise a business, in mm. my case, that you spot people that relate emotionally to their staff. Yeah and people who are afraid of that. And if this doesn't get deleted from the podcast, 
we generally say there's the breastfed and the non-breastfed, so to speak. Okay. Yeah. But it's meant in metaphor, obviously. Yeah. You know, and I learned quite early on in my shell career that I could have all the technical expertise possible. I could have all the budget possible. I was running a hundred and eight thousand pound a day semi-submersible diving barge. I was spending forty-two million a year on diving, but without the emotional connection to my team on the barge, and particularly the shell reps that phoned in um, every morning at 7 a.m. and then wrote me a midnight telex as to how their day had gone. And that's how long ago it was. <laughs> Telexes were still in operation. That was the breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And I took one barge from 69% efficient to 84% efficient in one summer because of the emotional connection with the team. Yeah. So... You can shout as much as you want. You can throw technology and budget. Without the emotional connection, I think that's far less effective. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of, there's a lot of stuff has been coming out. I've been reading from Harvard Business Review on compassionate leader and how that is the kind of the leadership development is progressing, is, is leading more into the compassionate side of being a leader rather than being more, more carrot and less stick. That kind of fits with your experience and your take on it. I like it. One of the most powerful phrases I heard at ABB Vetco Gray in Bridge of Dawn mm -hmm. was when one of the managers used to come into a meeting and when things got stony and bumpy, he'd say, come on, guys, help me. Yeah. It wasn't, come on, guys, do as I say. And by evoking help from his team, man, there were diamonds of advice on the table. Yeah. So to be vulnerable... And to be personable and to form a, an emotional connection, big dividends. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I remember my favorite boss that I've ever worked for came up with this uh, idea for what he called Fuck Up Friday. Where throughout the week, you would make a note of any, any cock-ups you'd made. Uh, and he would lead. He would say, all right, this is my, this is my fuck up for the week. Uh, who can top that? Wow! <laughs> wow! And there was a there was a prize at the end of the month for the for the for the, the number one fuck up of the month. Wow! Which I love because it's yeah. he's being vulnerable and exposing his weaknesses. Uh, obviously, be, building the team trust and respect through integrity, and he was just it was just it was it was it was good fun. It was good fun. Very brave. Promoting failure, you know, mm -hmm. push test mm -hmm. learn you know it's i want you to fail because then we can learn more interesting yeah. that was a yeah that was a, that was a fun experience i can imagine that was good yeah radical <laughs> radical yeah 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 and i've i've kind of i've taken it on into projects that i've worked on and and, and, in, mm. and brought brought that in people are very reluctant at the outset but if, if you step up and go right this is mine yeah yeah and just encourage that ownership of of weaknesses and cock-ups and some crappy decisions every now and again because it happens it's brilliant with the best of intentions mm. <laughs> yes absolutely um yeah is there a, have you in terms of kind of bringing teams together what's what's been kind of a defining moment for you in terms of a, a disparate team of people that you've got together and, and really mm -hmm. brought brought on and, and, and bring in from, you know, from poor performing to high performing? 
Wow, that's an interesting one. I'm going to relate back to a time when we went to Bigfoot out at Strathdon. Okay. And we took a team of um, over a dozen managers. And the architect of the day was a lovely, lovely HR director by the name of George Donnelly. And we had to do crazy stuff like uh, follow a mile of rope through a forest that went through a swamp and over a five-bar gate, and we had to do that at midnight. Okay. And cross a busy road at the same time, um, blindfolded with one person that could see all the usual stuff that management development has thrown at people in um, settings like that. <laughs> and we ended up, um, we had a rubber chicken suspended between four 44-gallon drums, and it was allegedly an atomic bomb that if it fell, it was going to wipe everybody and the rest of the world out. And at that point, I didn't have very good circulation in my right leg. So I just, hold it, hold it there, guys. I've got to go and spend a penny, then I'll come back. And I pitched that at George, and George said, no, you have to get the permission of the whole team. I thought, God, I'm busting to spend a penny. What is this? Is this some kind of 20-question session, you know? And I asked each team member in turn if I could go and spend a penny. Um, and warm my right leg up in my mini at the time because I needed to put it under some heat. I'd lost all sensation in my right leg. And each one of them was allowed to ask for something in return for permission. Okay. And the first guy said to me, yes, if you stop beating me up at management meetings with MBA vocabulary. And I was completely unaware that when I talked about lateral integration, vertical integration, and other elements of building the business, this guy was sitting in the corner saying he's speaking another language. And it was, I, I'm not easily given to the word, it was humbling, but it was very humbling to actually say, I'm really sorry, I didn't even know I was doing it, mm. so to speak. So once I got round the rest of the team and they'd all asked me for something different, um, I went off to spend a penny and warm my leg up. And that was a, that was a seminal moment for me. Yeah. That people had been open enough, brave enough to say to this tyrant who'd been pushing them through management standards for 18 months, actually, I don't like this aspect of your operation. And it was, it was incredibly useful. Yeah, that's, a, that's disempowering that. Yeah. And trust and respect. Mutual trust and respect. And, yeah. you know, our meetings after that as a team was so much better. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to a, a section in each meeting say, there's a bloodletting element to this meeting. Has anyone got anything to say about me or anybody else on the team? And you say it protected in confidence. Yeah. And, and those, those sessions became slimmer and slimmer, but they got a lot of crap out of the system. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It just clears the air, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's that. If only that would happen more often. Well, it's true. I've managed to, like you, I've replicated it in future projects. Yeah. And on occasions it works, on occasions the culture actually limits it. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, a, that's a conversation much higher up, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely driven from the top. Where it's kind of, I think, top and can grassroots upward as well yes meet somewhere in the middle mm. 
tricky thing to do, but it's doable. Yeah, and again, it's just it, it's about creating culture through the right connections and treating people as you say with trust and respect, being working through integrity. Yes, and open to conversations and criticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a uh, an old an old expression: is that there is no failure; it's only feedback. I like that. Yeah. yeah. There's a group on the LinkedIn at the moment talking about win or learn. <laughs> yeah. And there's no failure there. There's win or learn. They're both wins. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you would come out wiser, always. That's right. Whether you're prepared to accept that knowledge or not is another thing entirely. Bang on. <laughs> Bang on. I have to confess I haven't always been as willing as I could have been. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> So here's, in terms of, depending on how your perspective on life, do you think that, there are, well, there are some people that think that connections are just a way to get ahead in life. Um, and it's about manipulating other people to, to, to get the win rather than get a win-win. Mm. What's your take on that? My own feeling is we leak the truth. Yeah. And if you're using connections in a shallow, improper, um, mercenary way, it will come through your handshake. It'll come through your actions when you're leaving the room or you're out of the room. Um, so for me, connections are important and they need to be approached with integrity. And yeah. if you're trying to use them as a stepping stone to something improper, uh, it will show. And if it doesn't show today, it'll show further down the line. Yeah. So. You know, I'm doing a lot of writing at the moment, and one of my best writing tutors said to me, make sure that everything you write is true mm -hmm. and that you don't go off at a tangent with anything <laughs> that you'd really quite like to have happened. By golly, that's helpful. Yes. And I'd say with connections, make sure that everything you want to achieve from them needs to be wholesome, mutual, and well-grounded and not mercenary. Yeah, there is a, there's, there's a lot of mercenary around. Um, I still see it mm. everywhere I go. Mm. You get a sense, you just you get a radar for it after a while, don't you? Yeah, you, can, you sort of want to wash your hands after a handshake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, maybe that's what, uh, maybe that's what COVID's done. Mm -hmm. As a hand washing of... Uh, Impropriety. Oh, yeah. That's an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite um, massage therapists of many years ago when I had a near fatal accident, mm. she used to wash her hands vigorously after a massage and I'd say, oh, you're getting all the oil off. She said, no, I'm getting all the pain and tension from the session um, down the plug hole as well as the oil. Yeah. And there was a big metaphor at play there. Mm -hmm. She treated very badly injured people like myself yeah and she needed to get rid of that at the end of each session and start afresh so there's a big metaphor in hand washing there is yeah there certainly is from uh, from all sorts of uh, all sorts of angles um what have been the most positive positively impactful connections you've had in your life well i'm going to start with my father because okay. as an ex-army major, he um, walked that fine line between compassion and um, 
uh, autocracy. Okay. And uh, I found a space in the middle where, if you like, I could put a foot wrong, but it wasn't often enough. Yeah. And then when I got married and my wife didn't give me the same um, unconditional love, that was really sobering and much healthier with every piece of respect for my father who was bringing me through early years. Mm. She said, this is our deal and that's the end of it. So if we had more time, I could give you some pretty juicy examples. <laughs> but those two connections helped me understand a lot of the wider connections, the connections of work colleagues, the connections of bringing up two youngsters. And for me, there's always needed to be balance. That, mm -hmm. that authentic balance where you don't over-sugar it by not telling people what's really going on. You don't abuse your position of uh, strength, authority, or relationship by actually being pernicious. Yeah. You find that middle ground where you're actually saying, this is where it's at. And uh, one of the best management standards is the Lominger tool, the career architect. That's a set of cards on values and uh, yeah. they always say that if you, if you underdo it, people think that they're doing really well and they're performing well. If you overdo the supervision, they, you can crush them. Yeah. And um, if you get it just right, if you hit that, um, what do they call it? The, um, the three bears um, person, the not too hot, yep. not too cold. Goldilocks. The Goldilocks moment. Uh, yeah. Thank you for helping me with that. Pleasure. <laughs> that, does that resonate? Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's always a fine balance, isn't it? Yes. And that kind of reaching that point of homeostasis is, is, a, is a hard thing to do. And it's, I think it's harder to, to keep it there than it is to actually get to it. Yes. Yes. I mean, two, two relationships a little further from home. I had one um, boss at Shell who put on my staff report one year that one of his goals was to reduce me to cringing servility. And I was floored that I'd attracted so much venom and heat from the guy by yeah. being far too autonomous. Okay. I think the following year he said, if this Lone Ranger ever joins the US Cavalry, he'll be lethal. <laughs> he was given to these uh, metaphorical sort of ways. On the other end of the spectrum, I had another boss later in, in my shell career, in fact, my penultimate boss, and he was far too nice. He would purse his lips and not tell me where I was in his um, okay. assessment. Yeah. And that led me to try and do a lot more probing and say, come on, can you open up on that? How did I do on that project? Yeah. So you had Mr. Vociferous and you had Mr. Purse Lips, and again, the Goldilocks spot is in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a tricky little bugger to find sometimes. Yes. Because people are so different. And that's the joy. Yes. That's yeah, yeah. That's the joy. Diversity in, me, in, in, in my world is, is, is tops. But to try to throttle it and stay with it rather than say, oh, I don't understand that, dismiss it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it, it's fun. And I, I loved your, your I, I'm a firm believer in being a behavioral chameleon. Because we have to adapt to other people's styles in order to build that connection in the first place. Yeah. To get people to... Because we like people who are like us, don't we? 
Spot on. One of my biggest aha moments was when I was uh, came out as a red in the Insight Psychometric. Okay. And they gave me a little tile to put on my desk, and it said, "Be bright, be brief, and be gone." <laughs> I thought, "Is that really me?" And I kind of spun it round so that I remembered to give people a bit more airspace and not be quite so focused and to uh, open up. Yeah. And they said, "What's a red brick about?" I said, "Oh, it's for me. It's not for you." So. Yeah. Yes, self-feedback. Yes, bang on. Yeah, yeah. I think we're very often uh, prone to being reluctant to self-reflect at times. Tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a hard truth to to bear sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> to, yes. to look deep inside ourselves and go, "Ooh, do I really? Am I really?" Uh, yeah, bang on. Yeah. Well, thank you, Vic. Um, as a as a as a parting, two things. Parting gift. What what would be your best advice to help people who are looking to make better connections? Wow. Well, in the world I've operated in, which has largely been oil and gas, mm. is be vulnerable. Yeah. Allow yourself to actually say when you're hurt. Allow yourself to actually be open to input and try not to interject and interrupt when people are telling you sensitive things. <laughs> yeah. So be soft outwardly, be soft inwardly, absorb, process, and then uh, pick a line of action after that that's balanced. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And the last piece, the last piece I've actually stolen the idea, not stolen, I'm kind of utilizing the idea, the concept from a gentleman called Stephen Bartlett, who has a wonderful podcast called The, C the Diary of a CEO. Mm. If you haven't listened to it, there are some phenomenal guests on there, and mm. it's probably my favorite podcast to listen to when I'm out walking my dog. Um, what he does at the end is he asks a question, gets asked, his current guest ask a question of the next guest without knowing who they are. And I love this concept. So what question would you ask of my next guest? Wow. Um, tell me who you are in your quietest moments. Love it. That is, <laughs> yeah, I look forward to hearing the answer to that one. Vic, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Same here. Thanks, Simon. Thanks very much. Cheers. We will place Vic's details uh, in the show notes. So anyone or any, any person or organizations who would like to get in touch with Vic to discuss his utilizing his knowledge and experience because it is vast. Um, it will be there with, with Vic's permission. And because this show is all about connections and creating connections this is kind of my way of creating another positive connection or more positive connections and doing something good for this world thanks very much for listening i fucked that one up didn't i <laughs> uh, <laughs> i think you should put that one out <laughs>